The Art of the Pivot is brought to you by Signavio. Hello, Mark Jeffries here. Let me tell you about this week's guest. Tony Hemelgarn is the President and Chief Executive Officer of Siemens Digital Industries Software. Now, this is the business unit that helps companies drive innovation and transformation via digital automation. Tony's held this role since 2016. Prior to that, he served as Executive Vice President of Global Sales, Marketing and Services and Senior Vice President and Managing Director of EMEA for Siemens Digital. Today, we'll speak with Tony about his vision for Siemens Digital. We'll ask him to describe some of the key decisions he's had to make in his role, specifically those related to helping firms adopt a digital mindset, managing crisis-driven innovation, and how he's leveraging the new formed SAP partnership with Siemens. Tony, welcome. Where do we find you? Thank you, first of all, for being part of this. Um, today, I'm sitting in uh, in my home, actually, uh, near uh, Detroit, Michigan, a suburb of uh, Michigan in the United States. So um, like everybody else, not a lot of traveling, so a lot of virtual events, and that's where I'm at today. <laughs> you know, I used to do like 10,000 steps a day and now stuck in my attic, I hardly go anywhere. But let's get into business. Right. We, we're going to talk about one of the concepts that is really central to your business, and that is the digital twin. Um, can you tell us about this digital twin? What is it exactly? Sure. I, I think, um, you know, when you speak about digital twins, some would argue, well, there's nothing really new about the digital twin. It's been around for a long time. And what we're saying by that is, um, it used to be years ago, the digital twin would be 3D models, for example, that represent a product that you're trying to assemble and put together and these types of things. And so the definition of the digital twin in our mind is the ability to link the virtual world with the physical world, right? And the first part of this was building 3D models to make sure that things go together and they form and fit together and all those types of wonderful things. But over the last you know, years, uh, it's been, how does the digital twin evolve? Meaning the value of the digital twin, the value is how closely you can link the, the physical and virtual world together. Because if you've got that close link, you can make decisions in confidence. And so part of our strategy is a comprehensive digital twin, meaning it can't just be how 3D models go together and, and these types of things. It's gotta be, um, how do you represent the functional characteristics of a product? For example, if it's an automobile, how do I validate the handling and the performance and these types of things in a virtual world before it's ever been built? And so the concept of the digital twin, again, is this linkage, the virtual to the physical, not just for the product itself, but even the manufacturing processes to be able to show what you're doing in, in, in your factories or in your processes of assembly and, and uh, uh, robotics and all the things it takes to build a product, right? And then also there's the concept of the digital twin with the feedback loop, meaning the way you're using the product and how we learn from that and provide that back into virtual models to be able to simulate and understand what's going on. And the whole idea of doing this is to be able to move faster and make decisions in confidence. That's the digital twin. It, it seems to give organizations a, a whole new uh, capability, a real benefit. How does, it, how does it affect their approach to automation? Well, I think, again, the better you can represent your business in a, in a virtual way, the easier it is for you to be, be able to make these decisions that I just spoke about. And so uh, companies that have done this very well can move a lot faster because they can make decisions in confidence. They can do it without building out a factory. They can do it without completely building out a product. They can test and ver verify and validate 
whatever they think is the right product or the right manufacturing processes and, and do that in a virtual way and, and make decisions a lot faster and hopefully a lot cheaper because you're not having to spend the money on the physical characteristics of what you're doing, building a factory or whatever it may be, right, and doing this. And so uh, it's, it's really something that almost every company has to do in some form or fashion. It's just how far do you go with it? And I think the digital twin will evolve for many, many years, right? It's, it's evolved from, like I said before, about just 3D assembly going together to now the functional characteristics. But how do we get to the point where we're simulating every possible characteristic in a very quick way? I think that's the evolution of where it will go. So for an organization that hasn't really delved into the capabilities of the sort of digital twin that you're talking about, and they're a bit cynical, they go, well, how on earth, if this has never existed before, how on earth could you replicate precisely everything about this thing in the physical world? What's the answer you give and how much can you promise? Well, the answer is we've done it with many, many customers and it's part of the success of of our software division as part of Siemens is um, our growth has been phenomenal over the last five, 10 years. And it's mostly because of this. Customers are coming to us saying, I need your help. Help me do this. And and we have proven successes. We show examples of uh, a process like virtual commissioning. Let's say, for example, you're building a line to assemble a vehicle, uh, robotic simulation, all these types of things. We can show examples of what we're doing that in hours versus days and weeks to be able to simulate problems. And, and the payback then becomes enormous, right? Because uh, again, just think about how quickly I can get something to market, how much faster maybe than the competition, how many times I can iterate on variants. You know, it might be that I've got some ideas of what I wanna do and I do some simulations and I can run through three or four or 500 different variants where previously I would have done three or four, right? And so it starts to make a tremendous difference. And we're seeing that with our customers. And they show that with the return on investment they've made with us. And we can show pure value as to what that means and how it works. It's very impressive. And I expect that when organizations see what it can do, see what it's capable of, it probably inspires innovation of some sort. Have you, have you seen any particularly impressive innovation stories in the years you've been working on this? I mean, there's all kinds of stories. We have everything from, you know, what it means to... Uh, taking an existing product and retrofit it and get it out faster. We have stories of what we're doing with autonomous autonomous drive and vehicle verification, right? I mean, it's, it's, the, it's, it's what's happening, as you know, in automotive today. How quickly can I get to the point of electric, electric, electrification of vehicle design? How can I get to autonomous drive? We simulate all those types of things, right? We've got uh, companies that are delivering drones, are building drones to deliver uh, medical supplies in remote parts of Africa that they couldn't get to before. So it's just, it's amazing the types of innovations that our customers are, are doing. And it's really across all industries, uh, across all domains. Uh, it, it, there is no, there really is no boundary as to where you could go with these uh, types of uh, innovation. And of course, we are in uh, unprecedented times. You know, this pandemic has changed so many of the rules. It's changed how people can work. Of course, how closely they can work together. Technology like this, I'm guessing, allows people to continue to innovate during these difficult uh, months. It does. And I think, um, you know, we think about our customers, there's always some kind of a crisis around the corner, whether it's something like uh, COVID and you have to deal with it or you know, trade barriers, or suddenly a competitor comes up with something that you weren't thinking about. And, and the idea of having a digital mindset, a, a digital environment environment to be able to deal with this allows you to go much quicker. And, and you know, we have customers that um, 
traditionally built products, let's say in the automotive, and now they're building, you know, ventilators because they were trying to respond and help out with the crisis. We have uh, customers like uh, Viar Medical that uses our software for computational fluid dynamics to help build the mask that help people for breathing and these types of things. And we can simulate the airflow and show what's going on. A customer like Airbus is simulating airflow inside of, a, inside of one of their uh, airplanes to be able to get people back into flying because they want to know that it's safe. They want to know that the, the air has been purified and cleaned and how do we show the ventilation systems. All that. We can simulate all those types of things. And much of that's driven by, by the response to COVID, but there's other examples. I mean, we have customers that were building products and suddenly their whole product mix has changed overnight, right? Imagine if your product mix suddenly includes any kind of uh, sanitization uh, gels or things like this, you know, that's skyrocketed overnight. So you've got to replan your factory to be able to do that. But you have to replan the factory with most of your people sitting at home. And then you have to simulate to make sure that that factory is safe for the people that are working there that have to go to the factory. How do you simulate to make sure that we can show that you're staying six feet away from people and we're, we have proper work processes? Well, those are the things we're doing with our customers today because they have to and they have to respond and they're doing it in a virtual way. Imagine doing that 10, 15 years ago where you didn't have this virtual representation, how you'd have to adjust, what would you do? I mean, so I think it's quite remarkable what's happening with our customers and how they've been able to adapt to use the technology that we provide. That was interesting. You mentioned Airbus and Airflow. I was lucky enough a couple of weeks ago to interview the CEO of American Airlines, and he told me something I would not have expected. He said, out of all of the groups of teams they have across the airline, the group with the least incidents, the lowest incidents of COVID was actually the cabin crew because the airflow was so healthy on board the aircraft. You, you couldn't predict that. Well, I guess you could with that digital twin. Um, this has all been really a story about speed. This pandemic is, is a catalyst in many ways for things that people were already starting to think about, but suddenly had to deliver very, very quickly, as you just explained. Uh, and of course, you have this accelerator offering. I'd love to know a bit more about that, if you could. Sure, accelerators is, is simply the idea of how we bring all of our portfolio of solutions together. It's our products, it's our services, um, it's um, the individual solutions that we provide into a complete portfolio to solve the problems that the customer had. You know, for example, as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, a digital twin. If you can't simulate electronics in a product, you probably don't have a complete digital twin, right? I mean, think about any, any new innovation today. It's mechanical, it's software, electronics all coming together. And this is the reason our strategy was built, to build an accelerator platform that is comprehensive, that covers the full digital twin, so I can, I can simulate software, mechanical, electrical while coming together, but also do it in a personalized way. Meaning, I wanna be able to have this tailored to you as your environment, the way you wanna work. If I build an app, maybe I want the app to be the way you want the app to look, not the way somebody in IT told you the way it should look, right? And so what we've done is we've used low-code capabilities, for example, with our solution from Mendix that allows you to customize and tailor to your personal environment without having to be a software developer. It allows you to drag and drop and diagram and you, you modify and build apps based on this. And then finally, we wanna do it in an open ecosystem. And that is, uh, it's a complex environment, lots of things coming together. There's no one that can do it all themselves. And we wanna make sure that our customers have a ecosystem that's open that allows them to benefit from all of that. And uh, by providing all those things under Accelerator, it's made a tremendous difference for our customers to be able to move fast, respond fast, and still hit the targets that they have in running their business.
the opportunities seem endless. And especially with that level of personalization, your challenge though at Siemens Digital, I'm guessing, is that every time you provide a new level of capability, your customers, your clients go, okay, that was great. What else can you do? So there must be pressure on you the whole time to keep innovating internally. How do you handle that? Well, I mean, we, we have lots of conversations with our customers. Uh, we do it through one-on-one -on -one meetings with our customers where we talk about what we need, but we also have industry forums where we might to get, to get together with an aerospace organization, for example. Many of our customers that use this, we get in the same room, we talk about what trends and implications they have coming in their business and then how we might respond to it. And then we start looking at our roadmaps. We lay out what we think best responds to the needs that they have. We try to do this on an industry basis, and we really try to focus in on the trends that are coming to that industry. But oftentimes, what we help our customers with is we actually kind of challenge them a little bit. We look at what's coming, and we say, look, you know, you look at a problem, and either you magnify the problem that they're not aware is as big as it could be for them, meaning they're aware of it, but they're not aware of how big it could be, and we, we are able to show that through our involvement with industry groups and different teams, or we identify things that they may not even know that are coming in their industry. And so from that, we have the discussions about what we have to do to be able to provide a response to that, right? And, um, and it works pretty well, and it's part of the reason that uh, our customers stay with us for a long, long time, right? I mean, they, they, this isn't in and out quickly. Once they work with us, they're They've been around with us for many, many years, and, and it's partly because we're trying to respond to what they need. Sounds like you're not just a vendor to them, you're, you're a trusted advisor, which of course is, is pure gold in that relationship. And, and from these conversations you have, I mean, you do, you sit down with some very senior people. How far does it appear to you that organizations are thinking differently about digital? We've all talked about transformation for a couple of years, but do you feel there is a difference in the air? Well, I think first thing is I'm often asked, what's a typical customer look like? And I said, well, I, I don't know there is such a thing as a typical customer. They might have the same vision overall of what they want to achieve with digital, but they might be starting in different places. For example, somebody might be really strong in their, their R&D space with digital and they feel good, but their manufacturing is weak or vice versa, right? And so I think um, most companies have a similar vision of what they're trying to get to to be able to achieve what we talk about in this digital enterprise. What's accelerated or is changing, I think, over the last few years is realizing that if you're not doing this, how far behind you can fall uh, your competition and or more importantly, how you can use this as a competitive advantage to be able to move faster than your competition. You know, there's there's times that people say, well, the real issue is we have to we have to eliminate complexity in the R&D process, manufacturing process and so forth. Well, I don't believe complexity is going to go away. I mean, it's, it's, it's increasing, right? Think about the products we use today. Right? Complexity is not going to go away. But if you can harness complexity and use it as a competitive advantage, think about what you could accomplish. And all the examples I've talked about so far are really using the types of solutions that we provide to be able to allow our customers to use it as a competitive advantage and move faster and make decisions faster and, and really get better solutions for their customers. Fascinating, thank you. Now, I also know there's been some rather exciting news related to Siemens and one of your former competitors, SAP. Uh, are you able to bring us up to date on that? What's going on? Yeah, sure. We announced this uh, a few months ago, and um, it's really a partnership where we're trying to help our customers together. And um, SAP had their own um, 
PDM type solution, product data management type solution, um, they decided that, you know, we're going to focus our efforts more on some of our PLM capabilities, product lifecycle management capabilities, um, everything from service to maybe some of the uh, capabilities they had in costing and logistics, these types of areas, and integrate it to a PDM solution. And they decided the best one to tie that to is Team Center. Team Center is the most proven, most scalable, most robust PDM tool in the world bar none. And they decided we're going to latch onto the winner in that space. We're going to use that as a foundation for us. But then if we both use Team Center as the foundation for our customers, what it allows us to do is further integrate the things that we do well and the things that they do well. For example, we have a full product lifecycle portfolio ourselves, but we didn't have a lot of the capability they might have in service lifecycle management, where they could bring some some capabilities to us. I mentioned some of the costing capabilities. We had some things, but they they have a little bit more. And there's areas of of opportunity when you think about tying into ERP and logistics and these types of things. So you're taking the leader in PLM and Siemens, you're taking the leader in ERP, and you're putting these two solutions together for the benefit of our customers. We've been working together for many, many years. Some, in some areas, uh, you know, as as coopetition, you know, where we have parts where we we work together, and there's parts where we compete, and we will do that in the future as well. There's there's still areas where we'll compete with some of our manufacturing capabilities and things like this, uh, so that our customers always have a choice. But there's, I think, the real value of this for our customers is you're taking the two leaders, putting it together, and you're and you're really looking at how do we even go faster with this digital twin concept? Because now you can think about the digital twin even further. I've talked to you a lot about the idea of manufacturing. I've talked about R&D, these types of things. But what about the business digital twin? The ERP capabilities, the finance, the logistics, all these types of things. How do we bring all that together with the leader that does that very well? So we're quite excited about it. And um, the way it's gonna work is our products are actually in the Salesforce of SAP, they can sell these products to their customers, Team Center, for example, and there'll be some of the products at SAP as we put in our price book as well for our, our, our uh, sales reps to sell. So I think the value, the benefit is to our customers. We've integrated it and we continue to integrate this together to find new solutions for our customers. Sounds like a, uh, a winning combination. Uh, very impressive. You um, you have led through good times and bad, and you have a, an incredible leadership story behind you and in front of you as well. Now, I'm guessing we can't create a digital twin for Tony, right? So could you give us a bit of insight into what drives the way you lead, the way you make key decisions? Is there anything that you could share with our audience? Well, I, I think it's a team event, right? I, my leadership team, the organization, we have thousands of people in this organization and um, we like to be, believe we're in a collaborative environment. We learn from each other and I think I think that we do that pretty well. But I, I think, you know, the, the thing that we've done very well over the last five years is merger and acquisition and integration. This is really hard, right? I mean, there's been many, many, there's probably been more failures than success when you think about most merger and acquisitions. They're very difficult because you have cultures you have to bring together and so forth. And you think about what we've done and the series of acquisitions we've done over the last five years. Everything from companies like LMS or CD Adapco to very large companies like Mentor. You know, Mentor was was a third of what is a third of what we are today. So you bring that into the organization. That's a big organization. But even companies like Mendix that are a startup with a bunch of young employees coming into a company that's been around for a long time. Uh, uh, 
we've made that work pretty well. And we've done that by letting the organizations run, do what they do and not break the culture that they have, but also finding the points of integration as to where we can come together. And it's really back to that vision. We look at it and say, gosh, whether I'm coming from mentor in an integrated circuit or electrical systems, or I'm coming from CD Adapco simulating airflow, or I'm coming from Mendix building apps that are personalized, all of that is back to our vision of a comprehensive digital twin and a way to help our customers make decisions in confidence and move a lot faster. And I think that's the reason we allow this to come together. But I'm proud of our team because, you know, it's about people at the end of the day. I mean, we, we don't have, we're a software company. We don't have a lot of factories, these types of things. We have a few things we build in hardware and stuff, but it's about the people. And my management team and the leaders of these companies, we found a way to work together and, and they've worked and we've been successful with it. And I think that's probably the biggest challenge we have and, uh, and we've made it work so far. And you know I've met some of your team. They're a vibrant leadership bunch. Absolutely correct. So we've reached the end of the conversation. Where from here? Uh, if you had to put your futurist hat on and look ahead, where do you think you might be going as an organization? What could you and me be talking about a couple of years down the line? It was interesting. I saw an article in Barron's, I think it was two weeks ago or so, that talked about industrial companies and the growth of these companies in the future. And I think they hit a really interesting point. They talked a lot about the traditional software companies of the last 10 years, you know, the Googles and, and the Facebooks and everything else. But they were talking about there might be a switch in the next 10 years. And that is looking what industrial companies do. And if you really think about where industrial companies are going, it's that blend of what we've been doing for the last 12 years inside of Siemens, bringing software together with the rest of industrial automation, these types of things. And here's an article kind of validating the very vision of what we've been trying to do and continue to do. So I think if we look out the next 10 years, it's really where we start turning the crank a little bit more to say, we've done some good things with our colleagues in Siemens and automation and so forth. But I think the next turn of the crank is really gonna be the point where we start to provide value beyond anything that we've thought about before. How do we truly get to the point where we've got um, different levels of integration that we've ever thought about. We don't even maybe recognize today. And I, I think that's the opportunity for us because if we're gonna help our customers go faster, just like I talked about the relationship with SAP to the business side of the digital twin, the more we can integrate to the rest of what's happening in automation and production and all these types of things, where traditionally there have been walls and boundaries over the years, I think that's gonna get our customers excited. And I think we'll see that from a lot of uh, the discussions we have is that can make a difference when they think about where they're going to go in the future. It's an exciting future indeed. Tony Hemelgarn, thank you so much, not just for your time, but for sharing your insight and your ideas. Thanks a lot. All right, thank you so much as well. Thank you. The Art of the Pivot is brought to you by Signavio.